Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. So before we get into the word, just a couple of things, a little bit thin on the ground this morning. Maybe some people uh, are not here for various reasons. And uh, uh, I know some people have not have, uh, said they're not feeling too well, not, not necessarily got the symptoms of whatever, but um, just... Uh, being wise or whatever. Um, when I was praying earlier this morning, I, I, God just started to talk to me about on, on Thursday as a church that we have a day of prayer and fasting for the nation. And um, so I know in the States today, it's a national day of prayer, isn't it? In America, Trump's called a national day of prayer, which is brilliant. Um, so... As a, as a church, let's on Thursday have a day of prayer and fasting. Daniel in the book of Daniel, uh, in chapter 6, if you read it in there, he went and prayed three times a day. And it says when he prayed, he gave thanks. So when we're praying, the first thing we're going to do is give thanks for who God is and, and, and everything. Because when you pray with faith, you pray with thanksgiving. Um, so we're coming from a place of thanksgiving, not a place of trying to get God to do something. God's in charge, I mean. Uh, but the, the nation needs the prayers of the saints. And do we believe that the prayers of the saints can be the tipping point of things in our nation? I mean, there's a sound of faith in here this morning, which is great. So we're going to be praying. Uh, so what we're going to do uh, in the next couple of days is uh, send everybody an email uh, with some prayer pointers on it, some scriptures, some things to pray into, just to help you with your prayer. Uh, I want to encourage you to fast for the day. Uh, it's, it's, it, unless you've got particular reasons why you can't do that, uh, I want to encourage you to fast for the day. It's, 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 not, it's not difficult to not eat for the day, for a day. You might feel a little bit hungry, but come on, we're, we're a bit bigger than just feeling a bit peckish uh, in the day. So, uh, so we want, I want to encourage you to pray three times on Thursday, sometime in the morning, around lunchtime and, and in the evening, whenever. And we'll, we'll ping out some prayer pointers, some scriptures for you uh, to help focus, release faith in, and just to give you some direction in the prayer. Uh, uh, many of you, I know we already have your emails and you've said, you know, here's our email address so you can keep us informed of various things in the life of the church. But if you don't think that we have in the office your email address, Please could you uh, let us have your email address at the info point afterwards so we can keep you up to date with what's happening and, and obviously ping you the email this week. Uh, and also if there are any other changes uh, that are announced from the government that would affect in any way, shape or form how we need to do things as a church, then that also is not the only way, but it's one way we know that if we can email you, we know we can keep you up to date with things and what, what any, any changes that might mean. So at the moment, we're going to carry on, wash our hands, and uh, we're going to keep carrying on and doing whatever we do as a church, unless we're told we can't do certain things because the government says things like in terms of gatherings and all that kind of thing. Um, is that okay? So, uh, so if you can do that email address at the end, that would be, that'd be really helpful so we can send you that uh, during the week. And, uh, you know, we just need the kings to, to curse this virus. That's right. Yes, that's right. Now, we are, we are living in unprecedented days. God spoke to us in January last year and said that we collect, not just us, but the nation, we're at the beginning of unprecedented times. And uh, we know with the whole Brexit thing, it was pretty unprecedented, all of that. And I think lots of people, once Brexit's done, everything will settle down. You know, Brexit's done. Now, now there's something else going on. Uh, some people can say, well, it'd be great to get back to normal. There is no, there is no normal anymore. That's right. That's right. The new normal is unprecedented. That's the new normal. Once this virus is over, something else will come up in some way or other that everybody will be talking about and what's this, that and the other. Uh, you know, we all want it all to settle down so we all feel... Everything's back to normal. We can just get on and, and all of that. I don't know if we're ever going to have a, a normal like that anymore. I'm not being negative. I'm just... So this is where being a people of faith is so, so important in the times that we live. Because our lives are not dictated to by the times of the day. 
in terms of how we live and how we respond. When you're a believer, when your life is rooted in Christ, when the the rock under your feet, under your life is God himself and his word and what he says, then then we know we don't live in fear or anxiety or worry. It doesn't mean we don't care. I'm not saying that at all. But it means we live with an understanding and with the wisdom from God that means we don't live with fear. What is it saying in 1 Timothy? We've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love and of a sound mind. Right, so our sound mind then comes from here, the Word of God, which is what God says and who He is. So He's our foundation. So our lives are no longer built on shifting sand. There's a lot of unknown out there because the world lives on unshifting, sorry, lives on shifting sand. So when storms come, everybody's like, whatever, uh, deciding this, deciding that, worrying and afraid of this, that and the other. But we don't, we're not those who shrink back because our lives are not built on sand. Our lives are now established on the rock of who Jesus is. And, and we're looking during this series, this whole series of simply Jesus. How did he live? How, what was his relationship like with the Father? How did he love and serve others? How did he minister? Because as disciples of Jesus, we are living our lives with Jesus right at the centre so that the way we think, the way we believe, the way we live, the way we act, the way we relate to God and to one another, the way we relate to the world, the way we reach out, all of that is totally centred on who Jesus is and therefore living like Jesus in every way. So God is speaking and working in our hearts and lives at this, uh, at this moment. So we're going to unpack uh, something this morning in terms of Jesus was a man of purpose. And so we are people of purpose. And so we're going to unpack a few verses as our sort of jumping off point uh, this morning. So in Mark chapter 1, uh, we're going to read verses 14 to 20. And that's our kind of jumping off point this morning in terms of what I believe God wants to say uh, to us uh, today. So we've had a few weeks so far. First week a few weeks ago was about being called and chosen. Jesus knew that he was called and chosen by the Father to do what he was here to do. And we know that we are called and chosen. Then Pastor Colin brought uh, a message. Really, he went through quite a number of chapters about Jesus living sent. That as he was living sent and he did the things he did, everything he did, there was a spiritual reality going on that had an earthly outworking. So everything that we see Jesus doing, uh, there's a spiritual reality and spiritual truth that then has a, uh, an outworking in the natural. And then last week, Jane spoke about really being an overcomer, uh, being a person of victory. It is written. And because it is written, that means uh, there's nothing that's going to shake us, move us and knock us off course. And uh, if, if Jesus is an overcomer and we are in him and he's in us, that means we are overcomers. Anybody believe that today? Alrighty. So this morning we're going to look at um, Jesus, a man of purpose, and therefore we are a people of purpose. And there's a number of things that are going to come into this this morning. So let's read uh, in Mark chapter 1, those few verses, starting at verse 14. It says here, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. So the context then is uh, he was baptised, he came out of the water, Uh, The Holy Spirit came upon him. Then the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, 40 days without food or drink. Uh, the, The devil came and tempted him. And how did he overcome the temptation? He said, it is written. He used the word. Because the enemy comes with lies, with temptations. Sometimes the enemy does come with half truths because that's how we get deceived because there are half-truths, but it's not the full truth. So the enemy often comes with a half-truth with a twist at the end. And if we don't see the twist, we we then begin to get duped by the enemy into various things. And so Jesus came back with, it is written, and therefore he overcame the enemy. The enemy then fleed. Jesus then comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit after that 40 days, and then he begins 
going all throughout Galilee proclaiming the good news. And what does he begin to say? Verse 15, he says, the time has come. That's a massive statement. We'll look at that in a minute. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus makes a statement in that culture that meant a huge amount that doesn't necessarily in our just four words in a Bible, we think, well, what does that really mean? But in that moment, he says, the time has come. Or, he, or another way, the time has been fulfilled. And then he says, the kingdom of God is here, is at hand, is near, it's now. And so the, in, in, in that time, the Jews uh, were expecting the Messiah when he came to do a number of things. One, it would establish political independence. He would re-establish peace. They wouldn't be overthrown by other, like the Romans, for example, that the, the Messiah was going to bring prosperity, all of that kind of thing. So their expectation was not the kind of person that Jesus came as. But what did Jesus say? He says, the time has come. Now is the time. The kingdom of God is here. That was a huge statement. That would have got their attention in that culture. Here's a guy that's saying all the prophecies from the Old Testament about the Messianic age or the Messianic time or the Messiah that is to come, they were, they were understanding that this guy was saying all of the Old Testament prophecies about that are now being fulfilled. That was huge for them, huge. Um, it would be like saying to us today, the world's going to finish today. That's it. Or Jesus is coming today. Look busy. You know, Jesus is coming today, you know. And uh, it'd be like, wow, this is it. This is it. This is it. But we, as Western Christians, we go, the time has come. The kingdom, yeah, we've read that. We've read that. Tell me something I don't know. But when he came into that moment in that culture and he said, this is it, guys. All of these things are being fulfilled right now, today. The kingdom of God is here. They would have been like, whoa, what's, what's, what's this guy about? What's he saying? So what did he do in that, in that moment? He said, as he walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he went a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with, a hired, with hired men and followed him. Now, Jesus knew why he came. He knew what he was about. He knew what he was supposed to do. Now, we know that Jesus knew that he was the Messiah, that he was going to end up going to the cross and fulfill a whole number of things on the cross. One, to fulfill the will of the Father, to enable and establish salvation for you and I, for mankind. And he knew that was the ultimate reason he came, to, to hang on the cross, to take all the punishment of our sin and to take us as sinners to the cross. Not just our sin, but us as sinners before post the pre-cross, right? Because now you're the other side of it. If you know Jesus, you're not a sinner any longer. You're a saint. How many saints in the room? The word saint means holy one. How many of you are holy ones? That's who you are in Christ. You're a holy one. If you have the holy one in you, he doesn't share space with something or somebody that's not holy. So just turn to your neighbour and say, wow, you're holy. Now just tell your neighbour, I'm holy too. Now say to them, I'm a saint, not a sinner. And say to them, you're a saint, not a sinner. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, then God wants to change what's going on in your life. Because you might not have been able to say that today. And if you don't know Jesus, God wants to come into your life today. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And maybe we'll come to that a little bit later. Jesus knew why he came. So ultimately, but also in that statement, the kingdom of God, it, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. And then he begins to call disciples. 
he understood the purpose of God and what that meant and what that looked like. And we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning because it, it will affect the way we think, the way we see our lives, the way we see the church, our own church and the church in relation to God's purposes. So let's kind of jump back to Genesis chapter 12. All right? And you might think, well, what has that got to do with this? Well, we're going to discover this in a moment. Jesus wants us to have some right thinking about how he sees the church. Uh, okay, and how he sees, because the church is what? Is basically people that are in relationship with him. Whether they are Jew that, that have come to know Jesus, their Messiah, whether it is a Gentile, which is somebody that is not a Jew, that's, the re- that's most of us uh, in, in the world, uh, somebody that believes in Jesus has surrendered their life to him. So let's have a look at Genesis 12 and see what it says in there. So it says in verse one, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. So God is calling Abraham out, first of all, of where he's been to another place. Then he says in verse two, as you basically take that step, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. That song we used last week as part of the response was amazing, wasn't it? The, the priestly blessing, but to that, that song and everything. I don't know if you've been using it this week, but it's powerful. Speak that, pray that over your own life, your marriage, your family, your household and everything else. Then it says, uh, and I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God speaks to a man, Abraham, and he says, leave this place and go to another place that I'm going to show you and I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So what was God doing at that point? He was initiating something and he basically from Abraham was saying, I'm going to bring a nation from you, a people. And I, what I want to do is I want to show myself to this people that are going to come from you, this nation, which ultimately was Israel and the Jewish people, I'm going to, I want to show myself to them so that they walk with me and know me as a people. Then it says in verse 3, and all the nations are going to be blessed through you. What was God basically saying to him? Because what I want to do is I want to be so real in the relationship that I have between this nation, these people and me, that the nations look at this people and say, wow, that's what it's like to know God. That's what it's like. That's what God is like. And that's what it's like to know Him. That was God's intention for Israel and the Jewish people, that the nations look and go, wow, look what it's like to know God, to be blessed by God, to walk with God, okay? Jesus understood that. Now, we know that the Jewish people did and didn't walk with God through the whole thing. But when uh, through the Old Testament, when you read the history, the story. But when we come to Jesus, there's a verse in Romans 1, 16 that says that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the, then for the Gentile, right? So Jesus came as a Jew for the Jewish people to reveal himself to them so that they might then know him. Now, Jesus died once and he died for all, Jew and Gentile. But he first came for the Jew. Why? Because it was going to be through the Jewish people. The early church was Jewish. It was through the early church that the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of salvation, the two aspects that have got then went out to the nations because God was still going to fulfill what he said to Abraham. From the people that are going to come through you, I'm going to bless the nations. And so Jesus understood that. He came as a Jew to the Jewish people. The early church initially was Jewish the first few years. They then started, when they were persecuted in Jerusalem, then started to take the gospel to the nations. And in the Roman Empire, many, many Gentiles began to be born again in the Roman Empire. And you can see some of the cracks in the fall of the Roman Empire. Some of that had to do with Christianity and the gospel going out because the gospel is more powerful than any empire. 
It's certainly more powerful than any virus and it's more powerful than any empire that has come and gone over the years and the gospel is still standing, still going strong. So when, when Jesus called His disciples, as we see in the middle of these verses we've just read, He says, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus understood the big picture of what was going on. Jesus wasn't just thinking, I'm going to call a few people to follow me and learn a few things and and just do a few things. This was about the fulfilment of God's kingdom coming on earth that Jesus brought to earth when He hung on the cross and accomplished everything that He did on the cross, taking our sin, our guilt, our shame, taking us as people, as sinners to the cross. He rose again three days later. 40 days after that, He then went up to heaven. What did He then do? He then sent His Holy Spirit on the 120 or so that were in the upper room to empower them with His Spirit and with fire, as it talks about, to empower them to then take the gospel of the kingdom, the same gospel that Jesus preached, to take that gospel of the kingdom then to the nations. Now, when God spoke to Abraham, when God sent Jesus, when the early church we're getting born again and filled with the Spirit and going with the Gospel. God never had in mind a church that was just structure, form, tradition, religion, organisation, all of that stuff. What He said was, I want to relate to, in Genesis 12, I'm going to relate to a people. I want to know a people. I want a community of people to be in relationship with me, to know me and to walk with me. And that's God's intent. The early church is very very community, organic, very relational in each other's homes. They met together, they broke bread together, they shared everything in common. Man, that is pretty contrary to the way Western culture is, right? Because we all have our own homes and stuff and this and that and the other. and, and, And yeah, in the early church, they shared, no one was in need. It says in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, the way they lived, nobody was in need. Wow. Maybe this season we're going through, these few weeks or a few months and everything that's going on at this moment, maybe it's a little dress rehearsal for how some things are going to be in the coming years. What does it really look like for the church to to share everything in common, to looking out for one another at a whole nother level? Not being negative, but things are going to fragment more and more out there in the natural You only have to read the Bible to see that. Jesus talked about that. When you see all these things take place, whether this kind of virus thing or wars and rumours of wars or volcano, this, that and the other, it's it's not the end, but it's a sign of the end. And he's basically saying, just be ready. Make sure you're ready. So we need to live ready now, not not think this is a preparation time for something to come. Because now is when the rubber hits the road right now, in the middle of a moment like this. What we believe really rises, whether it's unbelief or faith. What we really believe, what is the rock? What is it that we're standing on? It comes up because what comes out of your mouth tells you what's going on in here, tells you what you believe, tells you whether you have an assurance of faith going on that God's in charge and everything's okay. We might not know how things are going to pan out, but that doesn't mean God's not in charge and everything's okay. (laughs) Are you there? And so this is, a, this is a great time for our faith to be proved genuine because yes. there's a challenge. Yes. Whether you think it's been blown out of proportion or not, it's got nothing to do with it. The fact that it, a lot is being said in every form, nation, media, outlet and everything else, whether it makes it worse or not, who knows? But what we do know is there's a lot going on out there, whether it's real or not or hyped or not or whatever, there's a reality to it. And in the middle of that, the church is a strong tower. The church is a refuge. The church is an oasis. And more and more, that's going to become a reality in the culture and the day that we are living. You see, with the stock market, it's, it's built on shifting sands at the end of the day. Something goes on, the thing drops and, and, and all sorts of th- livelihoods and everything else. So we're, we're, 
that we're, we're not going to pray, oh yeah, it should do because it's anti-God and all of that. No, no, they, people's livelihoods, lives, jobs and everything else are affected by what's going on at the moment. But these things that are going on are, are going to affect the way that we see normal life to be and what has been normal and how things have been. Uh, and, and there's new normals, if I can put it that way, and new normals might be changing because of whatever's going on. Um, so, uh, so that's where our faith and trust need to be in who God is, amen? And we know that in that sense. So let's just, otherwise we're, not going to get, we're probably not going to get to the end of this anyway. The rate I'm going. So, so let's have a look at Matthew 16. This is, this is important. This is probably the nub of what we could say this morning. Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus called these guys. When he said, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There's four words in there that are really important. He says, come, follow, make fishers. The word come there, when he, when he invited them and said, come, it, it wasn't, the word that he used wasn't a, wasn't a word that says, hey guys, if you want to, if you'd like to uh, come with me, then let me know or send me an email or text me. It wasn't that kind of word. The, word. the word that he used was come, was I'm inviting you, but I want an answer now. That's basically what the word means. When he said come, it was like a command, but he was saying come, but I need an answer now. Then he says follow and the word follow there means to keep in step with, to keep in alignment with. It means to be aligned with, to keep in step with. It, it means to follow really closely as if you're one with that person. Keep in step, align yourself with me. Come, I need an answer now. Align yourself with me. And the word he then says for make, the word actually is ordain. Now the word ordain means to be set apart for something holy. So when he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men, he was saying, hey guys, I, I want you to follow me. I need an answer now. I want you to stay in alignment with me because I've got a holy purpose for you. Wow. Now we read it in English and go, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. And we go, what does that mean? They knew it meant, I need an answer now. There's a holy purpose that I've got for you. And then he said, fishers of men, fishers. You're going to fish, you know, they were obviously fishing for fish because they were fishermen. And uh, he said, you're going to fish for men. And uh, the word fish, the particular word he used, is a bit, a bit nerdy. But anyway, the word he used for fishers there was the word for salt. Water, salt fishermen, salty. And they understood salt preserved life and, and salt was important in their culture in the day. They didn't have fridges and freezers and all that sort of thing. And so they knew there was going to be something that was going to affect people's lives. A holy purpose was going to change people's lives. They didn't know what that meant or what it was going to look like. But that's what Jesus said to these guys. So they began to follow him. Let's have a look in uh, Matthew 16 and what begins to take place. Matthew 16 verse 13 onwards. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, anybody ever been to Caesarea Philippi here? One or two of you, maybe not. It's in the northern part of Israel. And uh, when we were there recently, a few weeks ago, on this pastor's tour that we, we were leading, and uh, in Caesarea Philippi, there's a huge kind of rock face uh, in this and there are many kind of caves and openings in this rock face and because of the and, and in these different caves there were different altars or temples where people came to worship other gods or idols or, or whatever ever they were worshipping okay and uh, because the, the people back then they were into all kinds of things worshipping all kinds of gods and idols so Jesus in that place where so many people were worshipping other gods, other things, man-made things or whatever they were, he then asked this question to the disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Now, Son of Man would have meant something to them because there's references to the Son of Man in the Old Testament uh, about the one who is to come or the Messiah that is to come. And so he's asking the question, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And because they didn't really know exactly who the Messiah was or who the... He said, well, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say John the Baptist, some Jeremiah, some, some say you're a prophet. But then in the middle of that moment where in that culture, in that day, they were worshipping all kinds of things. He said, who do you say that I am then? And they said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. 
And what was his response? So they said, in amongst all these other things, you're God. You're the Christ. You're the one. You're the Messiah. Not all these other things. Then what does he say? He says, blessed are you, verse 17, Peter, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. On this revelation that I am the Messiah, I am the Christ, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So he says to these guys, on this rock, on this revelation, I'm going to build my church. Now the word that he used for church there, uh, when you translate, it ends up being the word ecclesia. Okay, now often we say the word ecclesia means a people that are called out and we just leave it there. And it's important though that we understand the word ecclesia means to be called out. Because that's what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12. Leave this place because I'm taking you to another place. But also what he said is in that place, I'm going to bring a nation from you and I'm going to set that nation apart so that the nations look at that nation and say, wow, that's who God is and that's what it's like to know God. So when he said the Ecclesia, they understood that on this called out people, the people that he's calling out, that he's setting apart, uh, it was going to be important. But also the word ecclesia means to govern and to legislate. Now, the word ecclesia in that day, in that culture, was, was used to describe the authorities. It was a Roman word that was used for the, the authorities that governed and legislated. So when he used that word, and, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, I'm going to build my ecclesia, I'm going to build out my called out people on the, the reality, the, the revelation that I am the Christ, I am the rock, I'm going to build this ecclesia, this called out people to govern and to legislate on earth as it is in heaven. How do we know that? Because he then says that I'm going to give you keys of the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth will be, uh, whatever it says here, will be bound in heaven. What is it? What is, when you translate, it's actually what has already been bound in heaven will be bound on earth. What has been loosed in heaven will be loosed or overcome in heaven will be overcome on earth. So why is this important? Because to be a disciple of Jesus is not about form and function and tradition and religion or going to something. Being a disciple is a lifestyle, not an activity. And what was Jesus saying to these guys? Hey, he was picking up from Genesis 12 that God's called a people that he's calling out to reveal who God is to the nations. He's saying, I'm now calling you out as a people and I'm giving you keys of the kingdom to govern and to legislate as the people of God on earth. And what we've done in modern day life over the centuries is we've turned this thing into going to church. We've turned it into an organisation. We've turned it into a structure. We've turned it into a religion. We've turned it into a form. And God never meant this thing. He meant the people that know Him, whether Jew or Gentile, that have relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, were meant to be an organic community of people that understood that they are people with the keys of the kingdom of heaven on earth to govern, to legislate, to determine what goes on on earth that has already been released in heaven. That that is how God wants us as the church to see who we're called to be. Now, you might say, well, it needs a bit of organisation, needs a bit of strength. Yes, that's fine. It does when you get people coming together. But how God sees us is not, He does not see structure, organisation, this, that and the other. What He sees is a body of people called out. So the church, what does He say the church is supposed to be like? The church is supposed to be living something in such a way that people who don't know God look at the church and say, wow, that's what it must be like to know God. Not, I don't like the church because they tell us all that we shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't do it, be doing the other. What did Jesus say in John 13, 34 and 35? He says, a new command I give you, love one another. If you love one another in the same way that I have loved you, then the 
world will know that you are my disciples. Sounds inward, but it's the most evangelistic thing out there. Because what is a disciple as far as God's concerned? It's a person called out of sin, called out of being a sinner, that is now set apart by God as a holy person in relationship with Him to then reveal who God is to the world. Friends, neighbours, family, work colleagues, all the people around us. I don't know, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? In, in the coming months, years even, if for whatever reason we can't meet like this anymore. Wow. Where Christianity is growing the fastest is in nations where you can't do what we're doing this morning. You can't meet in a room like this for various reasons. That's where Christianity is growing the fastest. God never meant the church to be a, a bunch of people that gather on a Sunday and listen to a preacher on a platform. That's church. Well, that's a gathering of believers here in the Word or whatever. But even the way we do this might stop in a while, in a few years. Who knows? And therefore, the reality of being a disciple of Jesus in our own personal lives, taking responsibility for... Do I know him? Is my life rooted in him? Am I standing on the rock of who he is? Because what Jesus was basically saying to these guys in the middle, one of those, one of those caves, I'll finish here because of time, uh, uh, in a moment, a few minutes, <laughs> by lunchtime. Um, one of those caves in Caesarea Philippi was called Hades. And why did Jesus say in the middle of that, and the gates of Hades will not overcome? He was basically saying, the, not even the gates of hell. Doesn't matter what onslaught the enemy, the devil brings, none of it will overcome the church that is standing rooted on who I am as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the living God. There's nothing that can overcome the church. I want to read you another verse. Um, uh, what does it say in Ephesians 3.10? That God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold, the many faceted, that was what that means, the many aspects, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So one of the first things, how we operate as disciples, as the church, is that we take dominion. We rule, we reign, we go, that's what it says here. Over the rulers and authority. Anybody believe that today? Over the rulers and authority. That's one of the key responsibilities we have as believers on earth. We have our feet firmly rooted on the terra firma, on the ground, right? But we also are fully rooted in who we are in Christ, individually and as a body, submitted and surrendered, our knees and hearts bowed to who He is, because you can only operate in the authority that you're submitted to. And so as we live humbly, submitted to who He is, we operate in godly authority on earth. So we see the authority that we're given as the church, the keys of the kingdom, as we pray, as we command, as we decree. There's a release on earth as there is already in heaven. So this is the time to charge our batteries. You can keep them charged. You put your phone on every night so that it runs, it doesn't run out during the day. You, you plug it in, so you got, no matter what you do in the day, you still got some charge at the end. So that's what we do. We, we keep ourselves plugged in, so we're fully charged. We have everything we need for the day. No matter what comes up, we're ready. No matter what goes on, we're ready. Amen? We meet stuff with joy. We meet it with thanksgiving. Anyway. Then uh, just to finish, Matthew 6, 9 and 10, beginning of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. When, uh, how do we pray? And he said, what does he say? Our Father in heaven, relationship, your kingdom come. Uh, sorry, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's relationship and worship. What's one of the most powerful things in getting victory over the enemy? Worship. It's a quick story. Pastor Rohan leads the Crawley congregation. A few nights ago, uh, he had... Uh, Thursday night it was, um, he had, well, he, I don't know he called it a nightmare, but it, it was either, I would say it was a godly dream, but he called it a nightmare. 
because of what he saw, all the demonic activity and everything that was going on in this dream. And he woke up and he was like, whoa, you know, that was pretty vivid. That was very real. And, uh, and he just felt the Lord say, go downstairs and pray. And uh, you need to pray into this. And so when he went downstairs, he said to the Lord, okay, how do you, what, what do you want me to pray? And the Lord said to him, first of all, I want you to worship. Just worship me. And as you worship me, I'll overcome the darkness. As you worship me, I'm going to overcome the enemy. But I want you to lift your hands. I want you to exalt me. I want you to worship me. I want you to declare. And, and he said, because he went downstairs and he, he felt all this stuff going on. He, was, he said it was, wasn't nice. And as he began to lift his hands and worship, he said all that started to dispel, dis- disappear. It went. And, and God said, just keep worshipping. Keep worshipping me. What's God been saying to us? I'm calling you to be a house of prayer for all nations. But God said you to pray 24-7. Worship and prayer. Because the worship's key. What does worship do? It lifts his name higher than every other name. Why it's important that you and I worship every day. We get up and we worship because our feelings say something else. The circumstances say something else. Our body sometimes says something else. And one of the most important things to do is, God, you're great. You're awesome. And I worship you over every feeling, every emotion, every bad report, every negative thing, everything going on. I exalt you because you're the same yesterday, today and forever. You are awesome. You are great. You are mighty. You're the majestic one. You're the powerful one. You're the eternal one. You're the same. Why? So because it's for us. It's not for him. He doesn't need the worship. The worship's for our benefit. Because when we worship, we're saying, God, I submit everything of who I am and everything going on to who you are. When we worship him, we're saying, God, I surrender. I submit because you're great. You're awesome. You're powerful. Are you there? Disciples worship. Disciples pray. Why do they pray? Because they understand why we pray, what we've been given in our hands, the keys of the kingdom. We don't just pray prayers because it's a a traditional religious thing to do. What a waste of time. The reason we pray is because when we pray, God hears. And when God hears, what does He do? He answers and He moves. Amen. So let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I keep going, but. As you're standing, because that gives me another few minutes to preach. Uh, as you're standing, uh, there's a, because we've got one or two other things to do. Where, where, as you're standing, there's a phrase God gave me, not last week, the week before. I was praying one night for us as a, as a church. And um, as I began to pray, God said to me, this is how I see you. Well, this is what I had. As I began to pray, he gave me this phrase, worshipping watchman, heralding in the return of the king. And he said to me, that is how I see you. He said, that's how I see you as a believer. And that's how I see you as a church. You are worshipping watchmen, heralding in the return of the King. And he said to me, I didn't have the chance to bring it last week, but uh, because of everything else God was doing last Sunday. But it was like what God wants us to understand any given time when we are worshipping, when we come together or in a small group in your home or in a prayer meeting, an encounter night, it doesn't matter whatever context we're in, when we are worshipping, what are we doing? We are worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and part of that worship, as well as encountering Him, it's heralding in the return of the King. The watchman, what has he said? He's called us to be watchmen, men who stand on the walls of their towns, their cities, their nation, standing guard, defending the nation, defending our towns and region, but also then releasing the purposes of God. We're worshipping watchmen. That's how God sees us. So when you worship, see yourself, this is heralding in the return of the King. When you're praying, you're praying as a watchman. I'm praying now, so I'm standing, and when you're worshipping and praying, you're, you're there as a watchman, standing guard on the walls of this city, of this region, of this nation. Heralding in, there's a sound, there's a sound. Heralding sounds like something. There's a sound in the Spirit being released when we worship. That's why worship is not singing songs with a band playing the music. Worship is the people of worship, lifting their hands, their voices, everything they have. Worshipping the King of Kings with everything they have. Because we understand this is about the return of the King coming. It's about the return of the Messiah, the return of the One that's coming. 
when we're praying, we're going, I'm a watchman. That's why I'm praying like this. Because I'm here standing on, in defending my town, my region, my nation. But also I'm here to release the purposes of God. So I'm here as a worshipping watchman, heralding, releasing the sound of heaven on earth. Releasing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven for the return of the King. This is why these are such exciting days. What a great day to be alive. This Friday night, from 10 o'clock at night, this Friday till five in the morning, we got seven hours of worship and prayer going through the night in here. From to, What a time to pray. Now is the time to pray. It's not a time to go, oh, well, whatever. You know, you can come for one hour. You can come for two hours, three hours. You can come for all of it. Come, whatever. But now is the time. We, if, if, we, if we discern the time that we're in, we go, we need to worship and pray. Purposes of God being released. Purposes of God being released. The enemy's unleashing all his stuff, but we know that God is more powerful. And we can know that, but then we respond to that. So I want to encourage you, you can come at any point during that. We're going to be here worshiping, praying, worshiping, praying, worshiping, praying, worshiping, praying through the night. Overcoming the enemy, defeating the enemy and releasing God's purposes. Thursday, day of prayer and fasting. Why? Because it's the time we're in. God's calling us to a fasted lifestyle. He's called us out of a lifestyle of the world. He's called us into a fasted lifestyle. It's, it, there are different days that we're in. We're in different days. You know, uh, like the other morning I got up, I was about to have breakfast and the Lord said to me, I want you to fast today. I was like, okay. And he said, this is why you're fasting. This is what I want you to do during the day in prayer. It's like, okay, why? Because we're, we're living in a day that isn't just, well, I go about my normal and every now and then I do a bit of it unnormal, which is, well, I'll fast for a few days. I think that's going to become more normal as the Holy Spirit kind of talks to us. Jane uh, uh, had, a, had a dream the other night. I'll just share this just quickly. In the dream, she was in a hot air balloon. And uh, as she was in this hot air balloon up in the air, uh, something was dropped into the, the, the basket of the hot air balloon and, and the uh, balloon started to go down. And it wasn't something wrong or negative. The thing that was dropped in was an assignment. It was an assignment from God. And, and she was like, but this thing is going down. So I need to throw some things out of the basket so that the thing, because I need more altitude, I need more altitude. And uh, she thought, well, I can't throw my bag out because it's got my passport and other things that I'm going to need because of whatever, you know. And the only other thing she saw was food. So she was like, I've got to throw all the food out. And as soon as she threw the food out, the basket started, the, the whole balloon started to go up. And she knew in that moment it was to do with prayer and fasting. There are assignments coming from heaven, but it's going to require prayer and fasting for those assignments to be outworked on earth. Because it's the day we're in, guys. It's the time we need to have our spiritual antennas up. This isn't just church as normal. There's a new normal. And so let's just raise our hands to the Lord, shall we? You guys can play if you want. Oh, it's up to you, but... Um, <laughs> You know, but just raise your hands. Maybe not. Maybe let's just not play for a minute, okay? Um, just, sorry, just raise your hands for a moment. I know this is not a big ministry time like last week, but I believe this is really important, what, what we've been hearing this morning. And it's like, Father, I just surrender afresh to you. I give myself to you. I'm yours. Holy Spirit, I don't want to live a driven life. Holy Spirit, I want to live a led life. So I'm available as a worshipping watchman, as a worshipping Watchman. God's called every one of us in this church to be a worshipping watchman, somebody who's heralding in the return of the King, to live as a disciple. It's only going to get more light and more dark. The contrast is going to become even more clear going forward of what is of God and what isn't of God. And it's going to require us to make 
a lot more decisions in, in regards to the light of how we live and our availability because of the contrast and then the clash that there's going to be increasingly between a body of believers, the body of Christ and people living to serve God and, and make him known to the world. So just simply, I'm available, Jesus. And Jesus says to each one of us this morning, I believe, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Come. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, I believe God is saying to you this morning, Jesus is saying to you, come. He's inviting you, but he wants an answer in your life. Come. And the word follow, align yourself, align everything. When we align our lives, alignment is to do with trust. See, we willingly align things when we trust him. So come, align yourself, follow me. Maybe just say it to the Lord, Father, I, just, I want to align everything with you in this day, in this hour. I want to align my life, my body, my mind, my heart, my will, everything, my finances, my home, everything I have. I want to bring it into alignment and it's yours. Everything's available to serve you in this day, in this hour. Everything's it's all yours anyway and I make it all available so that you can lead me and guide me if that means I have more people around my home or it means discipling people or what, in, having around my home for meals, for lunches, for dinners, for coffee or whatever it might look like, I'm available. Share the gospel with my work colleagues, friends, neighbours, to go here, to go there. I want to be led, Holy Spirit. Come follow and I'll make you. God sets you apart. He's already done it. He's already set you apart for a holy purpose. It's just us going, right, I'm available in a fresh way in this hour in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. To be fishers of men. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Father. We praise your awesome name, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.